Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hello everyone, Mercedes here with She Critiques in Atlanta. Um, I thought this was a phenomenal film, one of my top five for the year. Um, What I really like about this is that it's an evolution of growth for each of your characters, each of these men that we know and where we see them today. Um, That room almost served like a pressure cooker for growth. Can you talk about where you think each of your, each of the characters you portrayed, um, where they were mentally when they first stepped in the room? We can have the same order as well. And I kick it off. Uh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I know that for Jim Brown in this particular time, he was going through his transition. It was uh, that next year that he uh, had, you know, he, he was retired from the NFL and then he moved on to, to film, you know, and he was making that decision here where we find him. Um, and then a few years after that, he started the Black Economics Union, I think around like 67, 68. So he was figuring out how to really take control of uh, his value, you know, the value that he put out into the world, but there was no return on interest. He wasn't getting it back. And he wanted to figure out how to get in front of that, how to get get in control of that. And then also having the internal conversation of what does that mean, not just for him, but for the people around him, which then led to the establishment of Black Economic Union to help spread that knowledge and awareness and education of, you know, economic power for black people. So where he is, I feel is that transitional stage of uh, uh, professional and cultural growth within himself to understand what his real purpose is. It's not just about what he can get for himself. It's not what he can bring home. Just, you know, if the culture ain't coming up, regardless of what you get for yourself, we, we not coming up. So I feel like he is in that moment, trying to really explore the real value of his potential for the particular space that he's in right now, um, for the figure that he is, and you know, sitting in the room with three other monster figures, you know, with the lights pointed at him, but also targets pointed at him, and they're just having that real conversation. I think about their potential and their real purpose together, the work that they can do because they do have so much power in their hand. And in this instance, power, it, it's really just a synonym for responsibility. So it's really a dialogue about what their responsibility is to themselves and to their people. So I'm gonna jump off here. Yeah, in terms of how, in terms of like how Malcolm was feeling and, it, you know when he sets foot into that room you know it's a lot of it's an imaginative interpretation of what he might have felt like so I don't want to say that ha- I don't want to you know say for certain how he you know w- would have been feeling but I, I, I think from research that it was definitely a strong sense that Malcolm's relationship with the nation was coming to an end and that his relationship with Elijah Muhammad was seriously crumbling. He was on a ban. Um, There were conflicting ideas about, you know, politics and religion and how much he was in the press and how much they didn't want him to be in. Um, 
And I think there was a real sense that his life was in danger and things were changing for him in a real way. I mean, listen, I spoke to people at The Nation and stuff who said there's a completely different narrative, a narrative that is something separate to what we all know. But I think in terms of, you know, for the sake of this story and for the sake of the, the biography that Malcolm put out there and, you know, my rough sense that for this story, it was really important to show Malcolm in those stakes and to explore emotionally what it may have been like to be under that sort of, of pressure and to have that much weight on your shoulders in terms of being, you know, right at the forefront of the movement and all of the responsibility that he, he, he may or may not have felt like there was a little part of me that, you know, as we were shooting, I was always like, why didn't you just go to Nigeria? Why didn't you just get out of Queens? Just like, why didn't you just run, just, why didn't you take everyone and just go and take a break? And he stayed right in the danger zone. He stayed at his home and he, he stood strong and he refused to be, to be pushed out. And, and he, he was, you know, tragically taken from us as a result. Like, I, I think the, the the interesting thing about coming into this film as an actor was like, this is such a unique opportunity to like have a go and, and guess what that might have been like and, and to explore a different side to Malcolm in a way that we, maybe we haven't seen before. Um, but my, as an actor, I definitely, I tried to ramp the stakes up emotionally as much as I could just, just to try and walk the line and see how far we could go with that and, and keep it in, in, and at the same time, keep it grounded and, and, uh, and yeah, try and try and maybe show part of Malcolm that we haven't seen before. For Cassius, I think, you know, just won the heavyweight championship of the world. He's the youngest ever heavyweight champion at that time. Uh, he was an eight to one underdog. Um, and what most people don't know is that he had been, um, practicing Islam for several years. It wasn't something that had just come up. Uh, he told people that he was attending church and that he was a Christian when interviewed. Um, I mean, he would make ambiguous statements. So they say, you know, do you, do you go to church? Oh yeah, I, 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 I go any city I'm in, I'll always make sure I'll find out where to, where to worship, you know? And so he's obviously talking about the mosque, but he can't say it out loud. Or he'll say, you know, I pray every day, you know, but he would, so he was very uh, smart about how he communicated with the media up until that point um, when it came to that issue, because he knew he could be, um, you know, he could be ostracized and, and his opportunities could be cut off before he really even had a chance uh, to, to fulfill his calling. So um, at that moment, when he walks into that room with probably, probably four of the most powerful men in the country, let alone black men, uh, in entertainment um, and to be heavyweight champion of the world and to be that young um, and to and he dominated in the, in the fight it wasn't even close um, I, I think he was just uh, I don't know if there's words but elated you know I think he was just literally he, I mean I think you see it in the scene he's just it's something that you've worked for your entire life he's been fighting since he was 12 years old as, as an amateur and uh you know, he never lost a fight. Um, he won a gold medal, he won golden gloves, he won national champion, um, you know, and 
coming from a background where he wasn't impoverished, but he was living under such severe uh, Jim Crow law where he, even though financially his parents were lower middle class or middle class, that the oppression that he faced every day, you know, he, he threw his gold medal into, into the river uh, in, um, in Louisville because they wouldn't let him eat at restaurants even when he came back with his gold medal on. They celebrated him, he went in to eat wearing his gold medal and they told him he couldn't eat there. So, um, you know, I think all that oppression, all that repression, all that uh, ostracization and not being allowed to really be who he was in that moment he felt free um, and he felt exuberant and he felt loved because he was with the people that cared about him the most. Um, and yeah, I think he was just, uh, just full of joy, full of joy at that moment. Um, you know, I can say for me, getting this role to be able to, you know, honor that memory was like, you know, when I, I knew Gina King was directing it. I mean, I knew, I knew the script and I knew this was a, a watershed moment in my career, you know? And so, um, and, and like I said, preparing for a role that I never knew was there and I didn't know how it was going to be there for, for years and then getting the opportunity to portray it on this kind of a scale, um, you know, I think I got a small glimpse into what it's like when you work so hard for something for such a long time and then you actually get to, to hold it and, and there aren't really words, um, you know, and it takes so long to, to even just, like I'm still processing it. So I can only imagine that, you know, as he had lots of emotions stepping into that room, but it was probably months and months and maybe years and maybe years and decades later reflecting before he could really process what that moment meant because it meant so much to so many people, to his family, to his community, to the nation, uh, to his own legacy, um, in, and even now to us today, to be making a film about it. I mean, it's still reverberating. Um, so yeah, it, it, that, that moment is very, very powerful. That's the best I can do with this one. Yeah, I think for Sam, you know, Cassius was so special to Sam. He was special to all of, you know, we, we, we all gather there because of young Cassius, you know, there's something about him. Uh, we all, uh, we're so proud of him. We're so proud to know him. He's doing things that the three of us, you know, um, as great as we are, there's something about Cassius that he represents, you know, we all feel like we see ourselves in him, in that young man. So to be there with him on that night, what I, what I wanted for Sam was to be full of life on that night. If people, you know, people, because of the tragic, unthinkable way that his story ends, there's a lot of people, that's all they know. I tell them I'm playing Sam Cooke and they're like, oh yeah. And didn't he, you know, he does some scandal in the way he died or something, you know what I mean? That's, they boil him down to, you send me, a change is gonna come. And then he died in this tawdry, strange way. So anyway, I didn't wanna deal with December at all in February, 1964. Sam is going to be gone in December. So some, um, you know, because in art, we deal with, with symbolism and representation, you know, we're, we're telling a big story in this film. So I wanted, you know, some, some uh, representation of that, you know, that like the star burns brightest before it's snuffed out kind of thing, you know, that on this night, if Sam could be full of life, you know, 
it would be it would honor him and i thought you know if i didn't if 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 december wasn't lurking at, at all in his mind he doesn't know that that's the way his story is going to end none of us know that so he shows up there he's excited to celebrate this this monumental achievement for the race for his little brother cassius and he wants to party <laughs> he wants to party and 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 partake in the joys of this life and his success and yeah that's sam thank you all so much i am so 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 excited about this week's episode where i get to speak to the cast of the beautiful film one night in miami and if you haven't seen this film i believe it's on amazon amazon prime and is directed by Regina King, her, rec- her directorial debut for a feature film. And, you know, if you know anything about the history of this project, it started out in the theater. And the film itself is actually very heavy in dialogue. But she just uses masterfully a room in this film where she is, you know, grabbing all of these conversations and just really maximizing the one space of a room. And that's the beauty of the theater and plays so often where, you know, they're limited in space and limited in taking you to another world visually. And they just have that one stage to show you the acting chops and how someone could just move you with just their words, you know. So I really appreciated about that in the film. The fact that these four gentlemen were just so strong in these characters and they were 10 toes down and knowing who their characters were and it was just just beautifully done and I know Regina King said that this film for her was like an ode to black men and my condolences and prayers go out to her who you know she just recently lost her son so my heart goes out to, to her as she's dealing with this now but this film One Night in Miami if you haven't seen it go see it it is just beautifully done and Malcolm and Muhammad Ali all these men who played these characters I really wanted to dive into their brain and their psyche and how they develop their characters and that's exactly what you're going to hear in this episode so here's my conversation with the cast of One Night in Miami thanks for tuning in to another episode of She Critiques I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at Chic Critiques. That's C-H-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E-S. And we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.